This one takes place a little closer to home, so it's a little closer to the heart. And it's about aging, which takes us all closer to the edge. Closer to the Edge, Part 1 The first restaurant was closed. The second restaurant was closed. Jasmine was cool with it because she didn't really think either one sounded awesome. Diner versus chain Mexican place. But shit, she was hungry. She didn't eat much that day, no good reason, but she was looking forward to tonight. The foursome, walking, you turned on the sidewalk and headed back toward the stoplight they had just passed. This is where Stevie, who worked for the electric company, educated them about the pedestrian button on the stoplight pole, which was, which was actually not to make the light change and the pedestrian's favor, but to give said ped more time to cross. They all thought that was a real shitty thing to do to people, but explained why pushing the button ten times never got the light to change faster. The only other restaurants they could see was the Italian one across from where they stood, which had an extra long line of grumpy-looking potential patrons because of the show everyone was there to see, themselves included, and the other closed restaurants. Goes to show you that Monday was not a typical date night in downtown El Cajon. There were lights in the distance two long blocks down. Alibaba. El Cajon, an East San Diego County city far from the ocean, had a significant Chaldean population, mostly from 15 years prior during the peak of the Iraq War. Jasmine figured that meant they spoke Arabic. She had students from that part of the world, but when the restaurant workers spoke to each other, it was a language she had never heard. Assuming the owners were Muslim, she told everyone that they probably didn't serve beer. She didn't see any in the cooler, which confirmed her assertion. Chrissy, her neighbor and Stevie's wife, noticed a couple drinking white wine. Well, I'll be damned, said Jasmine. The waitress took their order for a Stella, a Blue Moon, and two Modellos. She brought out two Stellas and one Modello, and told Chrissy that she was sorry, but no Blue Moon. Chrissy ordered a Stella. Ray, Jasmine's husband, took the hit on the wrong beer and didn't bother to correct it. They had all decided on the Dinner for Three special because they figured the one for four, from looking at the picture, would take them until next week to finish. First the lettuce and olive salad, accompanied by fresh hummus and huge flatbreads. All any of them said for the next five minutes was how amazing it all tasted. The family-style platter was placed in the middle of the plastic-covered table. Chrissy handed out the plates, forks, and spoons that were heaped in a pile to her left. Chicken cutlet, shawarma, beef something, and chicken something else, three kinds of rice, pickled turnip, raw onion, and cilantro. Each bite a delicate flavor of a spice they couldn't name, and juicy, easy to eat, with no knives required. They were quiet at first like walking into a party of people you didn't know, but then loosening up and discovering there were a lot of nice people there. As they packed the majority of the reasonably priced dinner into styrofoam packages for later, they laughed about getting dinner for two next time. And there would definitely be a next time. Part 2 It was a watercolor print of an elk, separated from another elk further in the distance, a chasm of clouds between them. The closer elk stood in standing repose on a cliff of green, one hoofstep away from a gnarled tree twisting away out over the misty air. The further elk was deceptively sized as it grazed above what must have been a large cliff over a freshwater lake that was small in the scale of the picture. This elk, cliff, and lumpy pasture where it fed was atop a narrowing stone base, the bottom of which could only be inferred as the clouds covered all but this high sky scene. Were the closer elk and further elk disregarding each other as if both there by accident? Was one hoping to be united, reunited somehow across the chasm? 
Was the further elk a reflection of the closer, its future self minutes from now, or was it from the past and the closer elk now content and full? One thing for sure was that the stone base had an unformed pig's head emerging from it, recognizable only by its large, nostrilled snout. That's how my brain works, was what Jasmine said to the man with the access pass dangling on a lanyard halfway down his chest as she pointed to the painting. Like the still-living, nearly original members of the band they were there to see, he had gray hair and a tour-worn look, probably just a bit older than the band's age of 54, which was just a little bit older than Jasmine. The oldest band member, Steve Howe, joined the band two years after its start in 1968, and 19 other full-time musicians had rotated in and out of the band over the more than half-century existence of the progressive rock ensemble. The elk print was more prominently placed than the 30 or so other prints that lined the walls as part of Yes's tour. The artist Roger Dean was internationally renowned for his fantasy art and numerous album covers of the then-burgeoning progressive rock era. There were floating islands, helix-shaped pathways, land bridges, arced like octopus legs, dragons, and windswept ice towers. Jasmine lingered with the art after the rest of her group weaved their way through the crowd to their seats, which were a bit more than halfway back from the stage, not quite the nosebleed section. Jasmine felt as if she were mind-melding with the prince. She had never seen the delicately defined and the ethereal more closely linked in play. God, she was stoned. They all were, after smoking her aptly labeled uh, outer space pre-roll that was a birthday present from one of her close mom friends. Now their kids were all teens and were either screwing or hated each other, but the mom group, though not what it was back when they all volunteered for fundraising and field trips together during their kids' grade school days, was still tight enough, evidenced by the ongoing group chat. She had to squat down to see the bottom row of prints at eye level. She thought of how the artist surely never intended his artwork to be so clumsily displayed. That said, the artwork was on tour, along with the band. The man with the lanyard further explained to her that this venue, the Magnolia, was way better than the others, like the one in Tucson. Jasmine expressed words of sympathy. She stayed there once on a poor man's vacation with another family during their kids' spring break. They were in an Airbnb on the east side, and she had expected Walter White to round the corner at any minute. Tucson was a truly terrible place where no one should ever go. Part 3 Wait, say that again. You wore a wig? To work? Outer space was living up to its name, and now, all glassy-eyed in their seats, they chatted during the final 20 minutes before showtime. The two couples had lived in the same row of townhouses for more than a decade, their friendship blooming about halfway through the that time borrowing eggs, bitching about the HOA, Stevie giving away packets of his pole-caught tuna from the last fishing trip, an invite into the garage for a few tokes before heading back home. Chrissy and Jasmine found one morning a week to go for a walk. They had things in common, like they were both the second wife, trophy wife, they liked to joke. Their husbands were about ten years older than them, and they both, both wore glasses now. They were different, too from different sides of the country. One had a master's and one a dental assistant certification. One had menopause already and one didn't. One had a child with her current husband and the other didn't. Chrissy didn't have many other girlfriends and always felt relieved after she unburdened the challenges of being married to a mama's boy whose father had recently died and had a step-granddaughter that just moved nearby to attend college. Jasmine's dog Zero pulled her along and twisted around them 
Chrissy didn't seem to mind. Jasmine didn't have much to complain about, the usual growing old together issues that come up in marriage, old habits that refuse to die hard or not. And speaking of hard, well, Jasmine didn't like to talk about it too much. She didn't want to embarrass Ray. Plus, she'd had her own pain down there ever since childbirth, even though she had a C-section. Go figure. It wasn't their secret sauce anyway. What Ray and her had was love and tolerance. She really felt their marriage was getting stronger as they aged, which was so different from any of her friends. Steve had a, Stevie had a full salt and pepper beard. He was wearing a black baseball hat that had a logo for the local guitar shop. He played guitar and Chrissy played bass. They were in a band with other guys from the electric company, and they called themselves Loose Connections. He was the one who filled in Jasmine and Ray about how talented Yes's guitarist Steve Howe was and how much he was looking forward to seeing him. Part 4 Yeah, I don't know. It was Utah, man. Nobody gave a shit. Stevie stroked his beard. Ray's mouth was open. He ran a restaurant for a few years with his first wife. It was McDonald's. Weren't you supposed to be wearing hairnets or something? Well, that was the thing. No one would do it. The management was okay with it, so what the fuck, right? The funniest thing was when it was raining one night, and I mean hard. I was jamming home on my dirt bike, and instead of waiting for the red light, I skipped over the median and dodged it. Well, guess what? There was Smokey waiting for me. He pulled me over, and you should have seen the look he gave me when I pulled off my helmet and that wig came off, too. Ray was laughing so hard he snorted. Shit, I can see it all. A bunch of delinquent teens with paper hats on top of their wigs, shaking fries and flipping burgers. Chrissy, who must have heard the story a few times after twenty years of marriage, thought of something new. Hey, they didn't want real hair in the food, but fake hair was okay? I guess so. Beats me. Jasmine asked, Did you get a ticket? The cop, I mean. Fuck yeah, the bastard. I was just trying to get home quick, and he made me wait even longer, and it was pouring, man. Part 5 Jasmine was the only one of them to have any tattoos, and she had two of them. One was a Bugs Bunny on her left shoulder she got a few days after she turned 18. There were two other girls in her dorm that had become fast friends in those first two weeks of college, and their combined, yeah, come on, you should come, and yeah, it'll be fun, got her on the bus with them to Colfax Street in Denver. Jasmine had wanted Jimi Hendrix's head from the psychedelic artwork on Axis Bold as Love, but she forgot the tape case. It happened to be Bugs Bunny's 50th anniversary that year, and there was a perfect drawing of him in that day's paper. Perfect, she said. After a bit, the inker held up a mirror like they do in salons to show her the result of what was on her shoulder now. It was Bugs, all right, with a large boner, almost as big as the carrot he was holding. Jasmine went pale as everyone laughed. It was just drawn on. He had drawn it on after he had finished and wiped it off while she watched. One girl, Beth, got a small black rose on her shoulder, which she had removed years later so that one day she could be buried in a Jewish cemetery. The other girl, Heidi, got the ankh, got an ankh at the base of her neck. Jasmine wondered if she still had it. Jasmine's other tattoo was also done in Colorado, in Boulder, a couple of years later. Her friend Missy had a friend who was learning how to tattoo, so Jasmine, she laughed now as she told the story, said she was thinking, what the hell, I got nothing better to do today. Jasmine went on, so I really have no imagination, right? So unlike other girls that get their tribal tramp stamp, or flowers wrapped around a skull, or detailed dove, I got a lightsaber. Ray sat back, knowing the story. He and Jasmine had been married 20 years as well. 
Stephen Chrissy's eyebrows shot up because that was not the tattoo she had now. Years of hanging out together in Southern California, mostly on Stephen Chrissy's, Chrissy's patio, always in t-shirt and shorts, meant they knew what each other's limbs looked like pretty well. What Jasmine had now was a Chinese character, which she always explained was used in Japan, too, and they called their written characters kanji. She had been an ESL teacher, and she and Ray lived in Japan while she taught English at a university for three years. I got up before we left for Japan. I had to cover up the other one, and the kanji for water, well, it has a stroke in the middle big enough to cover the saber, and see, look, each side has a reflection of a J, my two initials. The lightsaber was so bad that nobody even knew what it was, and they always had to ask. It got to the point where I asked people what they thought it was before I told them. The handle part of it was okay, but the green laser part of it went wider than the handle and had a pointy tip. It looked like a flame more than anything. The guy just did it freeform, and I just figured, hell, everybody knows what a lightsaber looks like. Young and dumb, Jasmine shook her head. I got all kinds of responses, though knife or dagger were the most common. Want to hear what the funniest one was? Of course, said Chrissy. A school bus going off a cliff. After a brief stunned silence, the other couple started to laugh and Ray chuckled along again. Jasmine laughed too, though there was always a bit of shame that hung in the back of her mind at her naivete, her rashness, her faith that everything would always turn out all right in the end, which in her advanced years she now thought had given her a pass not to think things through, which had always been easier. Part 6 The band started with Turn of the Century and went right into Firebird Suite. Steve Howe sometimes made comments between songs about what the song was about and the other band members, including Alan White, in the band almost as long as he was, who almost made it to this 50th anniversary of the album Closer to the Edge tour, but died just a few months before. Not only had he been the longest continuous member of the band, but before he joined Yes, he was a member of the Plastic Ono Band and played drums for almost every song on the Imagine album. The new drummer was a buddy of his, which was a great choice. The keyboardist, also a decades-old member, had stacks of keyboards in a U-shape around him, and he, and he played facing every direction. The bassist was tall, dressed all in black, and with a long, robe-like coat. He kept leaving, stage left, when he wasn't needed for a few, and they all speculated on what he did off stage, from vaping, to having a drink, to smoking weed, to getting a hit of oxygen. The singer was the youngest of the group and newest addition, having been with the band for only ten years. Sounded just like the original singer, John Anderson. Stevie joked later that this singer added a bit of spinal tap quality, as he had a small electric fan on the ground in front of him, billowing his long hair when he got close enough. As phenomenal as they all were, it was Steve Howe that took the couple's breath away. Ray said after the show that he thought it had been the keyboardist that created the signature psychedelic sound of the band, but it was actually Howe, who at times played his guitar hooked up to a synthesizer. Jasmine was hold holding the lighter from the joint they smoked earlier, which she held up and flicked to life after roundabout, when the whole audience was on their feet woo-hooing. She was the only one in the venue that had one. On the way out, Starting and stopping with the mass of chattering crowd, Jasmine lingered again at the Roger Dean Prince and elbowed Ray. You can order these, you know. Hint, hint. Ray responded. Oh, right. He grabbed a card. They left satisfied with what they agreed had been a fully realized production. The band still had it. None of them stopped at the restrooms on the way out. Chrissy joked, have you ever in your life seen a men's room line this long? 
The line was old white guy after old white guy, all probably around the couple's average age. When they got back to the car, they all commented how smart it was to have backed in, which made getting in the line to drive out so much easier. The car was fragrant with their leftovers and got them talking about what a great start to the evening it was, how great that the first restaurants they went to had been closed, and how they had a new experience as a result, how great the band was and that the venue was just a perfect size. Ray drove them all home in their Subaru Outback that was as old as their teenage son because their newer car, a leaf they had bought coming off of a lease, had a back seat that was soaking wet thanks to the dog. Chrissy and Stevie got out and Ray drove himself and Jasmine the few feet further into their carport, talking about tickets for the next show next month, an album tour of The Last Waltz, the supposed farewell concert of the aptly named group The Band, who were joined by a dozen other musicians on stage. This new Last Waltz had been revived by a new generation, and while it will have no original members able to tour, it will keep the spirit and Jasmine's lighter ignited.